Welcome to Start With A Win, where we give you the tools and lessons you need to create business and personal success. Are you ready? Let's do this. Coming to you from Brand Viva Media Headquarters here in Denver, Colorado. It's Adam Contos with Start With A Win. Mark, are you winning today? I am hashtag winning. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I had a cold, uh, you know. You know, I'm the one who's always getting sick on this podcast. What the heck? I don't think you've ever had a cold or like anything. Immune system, baby. I know, dude. It's like proof in the pudding, there as they go. like to say. <laughs> Get up, you drink, drink, that's drink right. your water. Drink your water. Your, your vitamins. Your green drink. There, it's in the fridge. <laughs> that's right. I know, exactly. And you too can have an immune system like Adam. There you go. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we have Adam Hergenrother on the podcast today, and he's the founder and CEO of Adam Hergenrother Companies and has built this thriving organization in less than 10 years by creating a culture where personal growth and work-life integration come first. Uh, through models, systems, culture, training, and community, the organization empowers the leaders of today to develop the leaders of tomorrow. And Hallie Werner serves as Adam's chief of staff and is also the co-author of The Founder and the Force Multiplier, How Entrepreneurs and Executive Assistants Achieve More Together. You guys, welcome to Start With The Win. Glad to have you guys here. I know. This is fun. I mean, first of all, to have two power hitters on the same show, I love it. I love it. So I want to jump in here, guys, and... Gal, lady and gentlemen, um, guys, it's fine. <laughs> guys, and if, if, by the way, if you are just a listener on this and you're not watching the video, make sure you flip over to the video because we're having a blast here. A lot we of are. fun. I, I, first of all, Adam, I love the background there with the uh, the artwork, and Hallie has one of the most organized bookshelves I've ever seen. So, um, and it's color coordinated and stuff. Out. My daughter did this cool thing, right? It says like. Long is the only thing stronger than fear kind of sits on there. She painted mm. that just one day and came home with it. And I was like, man, that is so killer. Yes. For six years old. I was like, that's great. That is killer. I, I mean, <laughs> a shameless plug here. I actually talk about love and fear in my book yes. and how those two things play with each other. So I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. She's brilliant by the way. Well, Adam, that's why I teed you up for the comment, dude. Like, oh, just, <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> Hey, I want to to dig into leadership here because we've got uh, two really important components of leaders here. We have the founder and we have the force multiplier. By the way, awesome book, guys. That was a really, really spot on book from somebody who's who's been a CEO, who's had a chief of staff, who's had executive assistants, who understands what's going on in, in this um, this whole concept together and how all these things work to to really massively increase the capability of that leader and the organization. Um, first of all, Hallie, kudos to you. You are the, clearly the force multiplier. And True. you know, having somebody like you in your world is a game changer. So Adam, let me, let me start with you. What are three things that an executive or leader should be doing to be successful? And then how can an executive assistant leverage those things to help you reach goals? Wonderful question. I think number one is, I think a, a leader 
their product or decisions. And so number one is what a leader really should be doing is making three quality decisions every single day. I think, Adam, the difference between businesses that succeed marginally and succeed wildly over time is the come down to the abilities leadership team to actually make quality decisions on a daily basis. This is why it's never really one moment or one decision that makes a company, you know, be Berkshire Hathaway, right? It's it's a series of decisions every day that that compounding over time and over years adds up to geometrically different in an organization. So if you're if you're an individual, right, that is a that is a leader that is bogged down with doing kind of uh, I always think about Hallie and I's position as one position. It's just we're doing different parts of it, right? She's doing the parts of it that really that I fall um, that just aren't my strengths. Aren't that I'm really good at, right? And and and, I, and the majority of my job is I'm not really that good at, right? And Hallie steps in and does that so that I can stay focused on the on the on the ability to actually make the best decision. Which comes down to like people always ask me, like, well, what does that look like, right? Well, it's like where do you have your team spending their time? Where is that organization spending their time? Is there a unified messaging system within the organization itself? Do you even have a unified goal? Because as businesses start to scale, a lot of times what happens is that every individual leader has a different version of what it means to win in the organization. And that's where people really get caught trying to build an organization is that everyone's working. So you look around and you go, man, nobody has any more free time, right? How many times you heard that? And you come right. down to realize it's just they're working on the wrong things. And, and, and so the more as a leader can breathe and boil that down. So I always think of it as like decisions, right? Vision, right? Where's the organization going? If you don't have a vision, then look, if you're looking for a sunset and everyone's running east, you're going to be looking for a long period of time until you turn around and go just turn west and you'll see the sunset, right? And then so vision, direction, and clarity, right? Of actually, how are we going to get there? What's the, you know, the, one of the, the thing with a lot of times high power leaders is they they use very descriptive language. Um, so they're very, they can tell a story or they can have a five minute conversation with intrinsically motivated individuals and they go out there and just take it on. And it feels like a wonderful conversation. As organizations scale, you've got to be descriptive and prescriptive for every one of the organizations. So you don't lose your traction from the top's vision down to where the implementation actually happens. So that's kind of the second step in this is like, how do you become, you know, a visionary, but also make it descriptive for the whole organization? And then the third one is where I really start with, which is decision. So it's the three, the kind of answer your three, a three bucket, if you want to factor those in, it's vision, it's that direction, that clarity of knowing where you're going, and then it's decisions. And then of course, your force multiplier comes in here to figure out where's your gaps in this? Like we use in the book, we talk about the scale from like one to a 10, right? I take things from like a zero to like a half or a one. And then Hallie will take them from a nine to an eight or a nine, another, or I take it from a one, a zero to one, she'll take it from a, you know, one to a nine or one to an eight, depending on, does it need to come back to my desk or go to somebody else's? And so it really allows the strengths of all of us to come into play to maximize efficiencies of an organization. Because the last, I'll stop, but the last couple, last couple years, most businesses just organically grew which was fun. They bumped right. into like sales, they bumped into profit and they don't really quite know how they did it. And so now <laughs> I think people are waking up and going, I didn't really have a solid business plan. My, my, what we're hearing from people from founders, even from the book is going, I don't, I don't actually have a clear plan. Like I, I thought I did, but nobody's in the right path. And now it's starting to really show. And so if you follow those three things and get very clear on that, 
you actually end up with better efficiencies for the organization. Awesome. Hallie, thoughts on that? Well, yeah. So um, when he was talking about the, descript- the descriptive versus prescriptive part, right. a lot, I and mean, to me, that the, the force field supplier, EA or chief of staff comes in for that prescriptive part a lot of times um, and translating that very descriptive vision from the, the principal or the executive and needing to then translate it down to or across the organization to various departments, different divisions, different leadership team members, um, sometimes interpreting a little bit along the way if there's um, a lack of clarity, and then uh, making sure that everyone has their clear goals in place about what they need to accomplish, um, and then helping either support them with different resources, holding them accountable, and then, of course, making sure that all the loops are closed every, in every project because at the end of the day, it's, how, it's still the leader's project, right? They're running the company. Right, right. Um, and it, it needs to get done when we're the other. So a little bit of that project management and, and kind of sideways accountability. Matters. Okay, so I want to, Hallie, I want to get your your take on something real quick here, then uh, jump sure. over to Adam to, to kind of fill in the gaps from the, the founder perspective, leader perspective. So Hallie, we... We hear the term EA or executive assistant. Um, you know, we we've also heard a lot of people, especially you know, a lot of people in real estate, mortgage, entrepreneurs, things like that, listen to this podcast. As as do a lot of CEOs of large companies uh, and and people globally. People are like, oh, I need to get an assistant. So take me through this. You know, we've got some people who are like, I want to get a v, a vir- virtual assistant. And then you have an executive assistant who I believe is somebody who's more present than not. And then you have your uh, chief of staff. Give me the breakdown of those positions real quick. Uh, as I mean, you've experienced them. You're you're a master at this. What are those? Sure. Yeah. And I, and I done, I mean, I was with um, Adam's DA for what, five years and then moved into his chief of staff. So I've done, I've done both roles. Um, I'm a little bit of both at one time. Uh, so here's how I like to describe the main different virtual assistant. I'm just going to put on the side. For a minute. Okay. But in terms of executive assistant versus chief of staff, um, I, it's still, it's the three of the individuals doing one main job. You're each doing different pieces of it. And I, um, a lot of times people say the EA is tactical, the chief of staff is strategic. I don't think that it is true at all. I'm with you. Um, both, both are very tactical and both are very strategic. Um, it comes down to me, for me, more of, um, the, a, a time thing. Right. So, for example, an EA is going to be focused a lot on what the needs of the day are, perhaps up to like 90 days. And I guess they're doing future planning, but they're really having to work and operate in, in the day-to-day in terms of meetings and rescheduling and making sure that um, their executive is prepared for what is happening right then and there um, and, and being very responsive to different things that come in while also being pro- as proactive as possible versus a chief of staff who is typically not necessarily in any of the day-to-day, um, but they're working 90 days to, you know, to five or 10 years out, whether that's um, strategic planning, doing business planning, planning for future company events, um, all company meetings. Yes, the EA is going to help support some of them, but they, they're usually very busy dealing with what the hell is going on that day. <laughs> right. Uh, versus, again, the chief of staff where they can kind of step back a little bit and say, great. The day-to-day is taken care of, so I'm going to go and look at what's going okay. to support the Gotcha. That's how, I, that's how the different like. And in terms of, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, okay, then how do you fit, what's a virtual assistant when it comes to all these things? Well, um, it depends on how you define virtual assistant because, I mean, a lot, we're all virtual. A lot of us are virtual right now. Right. So, right, there's a lot of remote VAs and remote chiefs of staff. 
Um, but I think when you mean a virtual assistant, you often are thinking of somebody, or we, when we think of virtual assistant, I'm thinking of somebody um, as well, but maybe more project-based. So t- okay. Or um, alternatively, a little bit more text-based. Um, yes, you can have virtual assistants who are full-time VAs, but then you just call them an assistant. Um, gotcha. So again, I think virtual assistant is like you need someone to fill a gap for six months, or maybe you need to hire somebody for just to have it be like, the lead funnel and they're, you know, they're helping sort of data. Um, but I, you know, again, I, I, we don't have to talk about virtual assistants only because there are, there are different, um, you know, type of support and we do books. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of, and Adam, I want to get your take on this, but I kind of look at it as, you know, you hear all these people, especially like in real estate or mortgage or, you know, entrepreneurs or whatever, they're like, I need a virtual assistant. The, and I don't think they know what they want. It's because, exactly. you know, they're they're like, I have more stuff to do than time. And the reality is they just want somebody to shovel things off to and say, here, go do this. That's the way I look at like a virtual assistant. They're like a, a remote helper you you pass stuff to. I think an executive assistant is somebody, and this is the relationship I've had with all my EAs, is there's somebody that I, they walk into my office and they go, here's what you need to do today. And I'm going to make sure you get it done. I mean, that's kind of what I've I've seen, and then, you know, the, then all other items as included. But um, Adam, what what are your thoughts on those positions? Yeah, I mean, I think the, I mean, Hallie said it well, but the EA is somebody that's very kind of reactive to your schedule. I mean, you may walk in on a Sunday afternoon or, you know, a Sunday night and look at your calendar and go, these six meetings do not, no longer are important to be, actually two minutes before this poll, I just canceled a, a meeting. Um, that I was supposed to have this afternoon because it no longer fits within that schedule. So they're very reactive to what you're doing based on the needs of the organization because they do change. And they're also important to make sure that the EA is also aligned with what are the organization's goals of the the day, of the week, and of the month, of the quarter, right? So that they can make sure that people aren't getting in or they're just constantly saying no to be, look, no, this is the funny thing about um, just in time, People, everyone has 24 hours in a day. So time cannot be your cheat. Right. So I always think of it, and I don't want to be Elon Musk and work 21 out of 24 hours a day, right? He's got the ability to be the most productive person out there, whether you like him or not. Like he has that. That's him. Right. I always kind of look at it as like, how good can I get in the time that I'm willing to work? Right. And the, and the unifying question that has to come down and the answer that comes down to that is, is what am I actually interacting with in this moment? And that's where I think an EA can do a really good job if they're part of your leadership team to keep you in that absolute zone of you doing your thing. Otherwise, you're just going to go distract yourself. You're going to get caught over here. At the end of the day, you're going to go, Adam, you know what? Man, I I worked a 10-hour day or nine-hour day, but I always go like, well, did it matter? I mean, like, look, everything matters, just not equal. So it's like, I don't know if you have kids or not, Adam. Like, I'm sure... Do you, do you have kids? I do. I have three. They're they're all grown up and out of the house. But yes, I have three. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have three too, right? 10, 8, and 6. And you would say, well, your kids, my kids matter. If you, Of course you would say that, right? And I would say your Absolutely. kids matter. Yeah. But your kids probably matter more to you than they matter to me, right? So like <laughs> everything matters, just not equally. And that's how an owner or a business or a leader has to look at. There is like, these things matter. Yes. But they're not going to matter as much as something else is that we need to push down. So that's kind of how we think of the EA as the gatekeeper of making sure that the, the executive stays focused uh, and all of that. And then, of course, the chief of staff, right, is, is how you is very working on longer term projects. Like this morning, we we're in a leadership meeting and she's now like her and I are going to go 
tag team on a, a quarterly initiative that we need to do. And we'll set that stage and be able to work on those things. Um, and again, I, I agree with the VA that is more of like people use the term VA, but really what they're saying is either a project VA or just somebody that just happens to be virtual that is also filling in those gaps as well. Cool. Awesome. So we've we've got the the founder and a force multiplier, the name of the book. Go check it out if uh, for all the listeners out there, definitely worth your time. Burnout is a big problem in in leaders, in high velocity teams. You know, it, realistically, folks, and for all you listening, if you have not veered toward burnout, you're not really testing your limits. I mean, if, you know, it's like being in the, I, I view it as being like being in the gym. You know, you want to, you want to know where those limits are and grow from those limits, but don't let them hurt you. So, um, and, and that's really what these super high performing people are. And, you know, Adam talks about outworking people. And the reality is hard work will be talent when talent doesn't work hard. So, you know, we're, we're, we're really walking this fine line here of burnout. How can a founder and an EA together work to prevent the executive burnout and the team burnout in how we operate our businesses? And I'll start with you, Adam, on that one. Well, I think number one is, is just like you said, is each person needs to know the boundaries of when and where people are. Like Hallie, for instance, will stay in and will we'll literally can work seven days a week long hours and just without thinking about it. But then I start to recognize where she may be, she may need like a, a day or two to rebound or whatever that is. She will, she will stop unless it's almost like she's actually getting much better at it now. But in the early part of our life, I had to be the one like, you just need to stop doing everything you're doing because it's actually making you less effective right now. Right. Um, for what those things are. And I think that's where, I think people need to understand where people are. It's not just about maximizing work. It's about prioritizing what it is from there. I also think behaviorally, people burn out faster because they're in a position or doing something that takes way more behavior than their natural behavioral style. There's a difference, team. If somebody's really good at golf, accelerating somebody at golf is different than teaching somebody how to swim behaviorally. Like somebody can get burnt out much deeper in the process if they're already naturally aligned with their behavioral style, then somebody going over Like if you put me in an accounting role, I would burn out much quicker than I would in other ways, right? So I think it's you making sure that you align people behaviorally so that you can figure out how to stretch those rubber bands that we have within us and then understand those limits from there. I think that's where, where people really get tied and where we see in our level is they're working in a position because their founder, specifically examples of this would be an EA or a chief of staff is in a position where their founder is asking to do things that may not be in alignment or their natural behavioral style, or maybe it's more project-based versus something along those lines. Um, or they're really holding somebody back or not getting full ownership of the job. So they always feel like I'm only doing 5% of this or 20% of this. And that can be very kind of like that whiplash scenario for people uh, in there. On the other side, for the for the founders, it's it's the behavior. Like most founders are really good at one or two things, and actually are terrible at everything else. And yet, totally true. Because yeah. your because your natural drive mostly as a founder is so strong that you push through so much more than the average person does. So it looks like you're good at everything. But the reality is, is that the more the faster you can get rid of ninety percent of what's your plate you're actually be much better in your strength zone and you won't, you won't burn out nearly as much, if at all, if you understand this. And I will say, I also think that if you have, I think burnout 
I don't feel like I've ever really been burned out. And I think part of that is because I'm also very prescriptive on being proactive before I get to a burnout. Meaning that I also understand that every day, if I don't start my morning with three hours of personal development and then take a break in the middle of my day to meditate again, over time, I will probably want to punch somebody or run through a wall, right? <laughs> and so I recognize that about myself there. So then how do you create a schedule that allows you to never really feel the burnout because you're already being proactive in doing the things that are going to prevent it in the first place? Awesome. I've heard a few things here that I want to just kind of echo real quick to our listeners. I mean, first of all, you know, you talk about recognizing different things. Too many people in small organizations or organizations for that matter, you know, you have a big heavy lift project come in or something like that. And the leaders look around, they're like, okay, who's got a little bit of a gap in their schedule? Give it to Joe. Joe yeah. can do this. Even though Joe sucks at that, sucks. what are sucks. you going to do? You're going to burn that guy out or you're going to take and you're going to deplete his ability to handle all the other things that he should be good at. So, um, you know, just I, I hear this emotional intelligence and emotional maturity message coming through from you, Adam, on this, you know, awareness of self, awareness of others, awareness of the business and that alignment there. So, um, Hallie, fill this in for me. What what is your position? Talk to me from an EA role. Not and let's let's face it, not everybody has a chief of staff. Okay, I mean it's it's not a super common position for those of us that do have one. We're like, yes, I've got yes. a chief of staff. I mean it's it is definitely that is probably one of the biggest force multiplier uh, positions out there. Um, you know, in addition to the EA, but fill this in from an EA perspective when you look at Adam and you're like okay, there's a lot of high-velocity stuff going on here. Where do you where do you see the EA fit in that and to prevent burnout? Sure, yeah. And, and I mean, Adam mentioned it. Like, I don't, Adam's never burned out. And I, he would know it before anybody else. And it then definitely mitigate that. So I'm never, like, concerned about him um, or myself, quite honestly. But what we do to ensure that we don't allow others in the organization to burn out, because, you know, Adam and I have worked together for 12 years. We know how each other's work work and they kind of set the tone for the business for five years, right? Like we were running more and everyone else is going to run more with us. Um, but we do, so alignment is huge and we're really big on first making sure that we do those behavioral assessments from the beginning. And this is how EAs and or force multipliers can help is by making sure that their founders or whoever is hiring is um, following really great hiring and onboarding practices. So that one, you're making sure that you're hiring the right person and putting them in a role that aligns with their behavior. Because often founders are not going to necessarily want to follow the hiring process. They're going to want to just maybe move forward and start. Um, and then, uh, and then, and again, ensuring that the schedule is set up such that the leader, whoever their direct reports are, are having the necessary time with their team members so that they're keeping a pulse on their, how they're doing mentally and emotionally. Um, and checking in with them regularly. So we do weekly one-on-ones um, with any of our direct report. And then we also do our, what we call our five daily ability question. And it helps us keep that great pulse on our team, which includes like, how is their mindset every day? Um, and that's where places where we can mitigate immediately um, issues of potential issues of burnout. Awesome. Huge, incredibly important. Those of you that that didn't listen to this last section about burnout and that alignment. I mean, you know, Hallie is like the air traffic controller of, you know, what's going on here. And, um, 
and then Adam like flies the fighter planes. So it's you know it, it's it's pretty cool to to see the mission and the coordination coming together with this strategy and execution portion of how the founder fits together with the force multiplier. Um, give me a, a quick fly flyover of the book, please, uh, Adam. Go ahead. I'll start with you. But um, why should someone pick up this book, and and what are a couple of the key things that they can expect from it? Yeah, we're really excited about the kind of the updated version of this because it's really a model designed to work with founders in force, force multipliers as a guide to strengthen their partnership. Like everyone over the years, everyone comes up and says, how do I find a house? How do I get an atom? How do I use your models? And so we really just created kind of what we do that works for us and has worked and laid it out in a really, um, in, a, in a way that is easy to follow and easy for both people to be and read along with so that they can actually start taking the themes from the book and putting it into play in their life. Too many, I think there's too many books that are just talk about theories and concepts, which are great. There's nothing wrong with that. But for right. us, we wanted to get very prescriptive in terms of how does it, how do you actually create a better relationship? What does it actually mean to have a, a force multiplier? What is it? What do they actually do? What are the roles? How do I actually look for one? Right. The number one thing we get is how do I find one? And then what do I do with them? And so great. The first thing because we're actually seeing this in job, job descriptions now all over the all over the world. We're going, please read the founder and force multiplier before you apply for this job so that we can make sure that we're in alignment with it. And we're seeing that in job descriptions as people are doing that, which is great because that's the point. It's like, well, that is the role. And if you don't like, if that doesn't work for you, then it may not work for us. So again, we're trying to eliminate any type of potential mismatch. And then when there is a match, how do we strengthen that partnership? Excellent. And I mean, the reality is, folks out there, you don't know what you don't know when it comes to this relationship. So you need to educate yourself on it. And there, there is no, hey, go take this executive assistant class that describes what's going on from the perspective of an executive and, and how to operate in the business. Uh, Hallie, anything to add to the book description? I, I just I thought it was a great book. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the concept. So what do you think, Hallie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything that Adam said, it's really about that partnership. I think founders want to read the book and have been reading the book and they just, they're recognizing who they're missing in their organization. So that's that's a really big part. And then for the force multipliers who are reading the book, they're realizing what an impact and what a career opportunity it is to be a force multiplier. Um, so when you take those two different perspectives and you put them together and then you get those partners working together, I mean, really the business just, the businesses should grow exponentially from there, which is our Awesome. Thank you. For all of our listeners, you can find the book at founderandforcemultiplier.com slash book. That's founderandforcemultiplier.com slash book. Adam and Hallie, I have a question I ask all of our amazing guests on the show. I'll start with you, Adam. How do you start your day with a win? Once I gain consciousness, basically <laughs> like coming into it, right? The first the first thing that I ask myself every single day is how do I want to feel? It's the first question that comes to mind because I think there's going to be challenges, there's going to be obstacles. So I always start my day as how do I want to feel today? And I want to have joy, I want to have excitement, I want to have creativity, and that's a choice. So I just, I start my asking myself that question every day. And then I get into a series, I, I, I meditate for 20 minutes, I do a series of journaling, and then in the winter time, I skin a mountain. I literally spend about an hour and 45 minutes skidding up a mountain and then coming down starting at about 5 30 in the morning so you start and emerging in the dark you get to the top of the mountain when it's light and you ski down 
Um, and I live, I live on a mountain, so it works beautifully. And so you start your day before 7.30, like I can check the box and I'm good. You have conquered the mountain. Conquered the it. mountain. <laughs> awesome. Hallie, how do you start your day with a win? Oh man, um, it's like hard to follow that one. Um, so my win in the morning is if I do not get up and check my email right away. That is a massive win for me. Huge win. That is a huge win. Yes. I think a lot of people need to listen to that one. So seriously. Thanks for being on Start With a Win, guys. Great book. Everybody make sure you check it out and uh, get yourself an executive assistant. A good one. That's right. Hey, if you've enjoyed this content, please think about subscribing uh, in the app that you use to listen to podcasts. If you head over to adamcontos.com, you can get access to exclusive content and join our mailing list. So remember, until next time, start with a win.